Welcome to Not Meddling, Just Mothering. We are continuing in our series of Proverbs, trying to gain some wisdom. Take a listen. Well, hi again, Missy. Chapter two of Proverbs, we're in a, a new place and a new space. Yep. Why don't we start with our wins first and then go from there? I think we missed the wins last week, so let's go ahead and start with the wins. My adult son was over for Memorial Day weekend. We spent some time together in the pool and we, we painted the kitchen, and so it was really nice to have him. But I was fascinated. He was telling us a story about his new job. Well, he's been there a while, but he was there as an intern, and then now he has them as a real job. And he said he heard some people in another department teasing and talking to one of the new employees, like making little comments about her. And he said it was so uncomfortable. It was so unprofessional. So he took it upon himself to email the manager of that department and said to him, you know, the things that you're saying, they just don't seem appropriate for the workspace. And if I could you know, give you any kind of feedback, it would be that if you wouldn't say that in front of HR, then you shouldn't be saying it at all. And uh, he said that the guy wrote back and said, I'm not ashamed of what I was saying. I would say it in front of HR. And he's like, no, no. But he said, the problem with this is that somebody like this woman is not going to stand up for herself. Mm -hmm. And so he said, it's so hard because if I went to her and said, hey, do you want to make this an issue and let's get HR involved? She, she would probably say no. And my husband said, yeah, it's, it's not a problem until one day it's a problem. But I just, I was so proud of him, you know, for going, you know, above his level of his position in the company and talking to somebody respectfully and saying, that's not appropriate to have conversations about those subjects with especially with new people or people that, that really don't have a way of standing up for themselves. Right. That's, that's good. So I have a win as well. And my win is my oldest daughter. Well, she's 24 years old and she has finally finished her first year of college. She's had a struggle in her school career when she was in elementary, junior high, and high school because she is dyslexic and she also has a very high test anxiety. So, you know, she knows all the information, but as soon as she has to go in and write down and answer questions in the test atmosphere, especially if it's a time test, she just loses it and freaks out. But if you ask her the questions orally and talk to her about the content, she knows everything. So, she had a really hard time in high school, and that's why she kind of waited to go to college. She thought she didn't want to go to college, but she went for this year, and she is getting A's and B's, and I am so proud of her. So that's my win uh, for, that's for this awesome. week. Yeah, that's so good. So I, not to, not to joke that this whole conversation, the last, the one that we've had, and then this one now is going to be about giving our adult children advice and wisdom, but <laughs> I do, I do have something that you guys might be interested in knowing. Every college has 
an office of disabilities. Uh-huh. And so if she had a doctor use note or maybe old medical records that showed mm. that she did have dyslexia, she could go into that office of disabilities and they would actually give her more time on a test or she could get it then possibly orally or something like that. They they have different ways because of my one of my son's disabilities, medical disabilities in school, he actually has been able to get like extra time on the test or have some different things work out for him Hmm. that are surrounding his diagnosis. So that might be something she could do that in the long term would help her out. Yeah, that's really good. Also, she recently found out from one of the families that she nannies for, one of the moms told her that there's, I think it's an app that you can put the reading stuff into uh, whatever you're reading and it does something it's a certain font that it transfers to and it's easier for people with dyslexia to read so I didn't even know that was a thing so she was so excited about that she said she showed me and and I could read it and it was awesome so I was like mm-hmm. oh that's pretty cool <laughs> that's interesting yeah yeah so so moving on to wisdom, and I just wanted to make it clear that we're we're not here because we're experts and that we've got it all together and we know exactly how to raise our children. The reason we are even going through this book is because we want to gain more wisdom and help us to be able to to navigate the parenthood of adult children. And so um, we hope it it is an encouragement to other people out there that you know, we all make mistakes and there's always a way to fix them and, and to move forward. So just wanted to put that out there before we started yeah. sounding all wise. We're more like wise guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wise gals. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Keep my gender. Keep my gender. But really, it's true. I mean, we do this podcast because we saw a space where not a lot of people were talking to parents of adult children. Lots of talking to toddlers, you know, the terrible twos. Lots of talking to about teenagers. But this space is so new for us. And we're like, mm-hmm. oh, we need God to step in because we don't have the answers at all. Exactly. We saw that there was a need because we had that need. So we wanted to see if we could, um, I don't know, fill the space that you were talking about right there. Yep. Well, let me start reading chapter two, The Value okay. of Wisdom. I'm reading out of the New King James Version. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. He guards the path of justice and preserves the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice, equity, and every good path. When wisdom enters your heart and knowledge is pleasant to your soul, discretion will preserve you. Understanding will keep you to deliver you from the way of evil. 
from the man who speaks perverse things, from those who lead the paths of the uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perversity of the wicked, whose ways are crooked and who are devious in their paths, to deliver you from the immoral woman, from the seductress who flatters with her words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house leads down to death and her paths to the dead. None who go to her return, nor do they regain the paths of life. So you may walk in the way of goodness and keep to the paths of righteousness. For the upright will dwell in the land and the blameless will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the earth and the unfaithful will be rooted from it. Wow. That's a lot of information, but it's very valuable. I think the standout things for me in this chapter is that we understand that we will understand the fear of the Lord and the knowledge of God. That was something that stood out. And there's a condition to it. It's when we gain that wisdom. Yeah. No, it's true. And, you know, it. there's a lot of place our kids can get knowledge. You know, they can go to college, they could go to trade school, they could be in an internship, they could have work experience, but there's not that many places that our kids can get wisdom. And really that main place is God. Exactly. And that's what, what it says. The Lord gives wisdom. And in James, it talks about if you ask for wisdom, the Lord will give it freely to you. That's all you have to do is ask and just believe that he'll give it to you. Yeah. So when, when do we and our children ask God to intervene? Because he gives that wisdom. But I think one of the questions is, when do we accept it? Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of times we're, we're interested in God's wisdom, but sometimes painfully it's after we've already made a pretty big mistake. So what, what is a way, do you think, Asha, that we could come to God before we've made that mess? Well, you know, it's, it's easier said than done sometimes. Sometimes we do, we're very impulsive and <laughs> as human beings, you know, we, we make snap decisions and sometimes, a lot of times that's not good. Uh, I think as we study, like we're doing now, the book of Proverbs or just the word of God in general, we gain that knowledge and we understand that, okay, if I'm in that situation, when I have to make a certain decision, maybe think of it beforehand instead of waiting till that comes, that happens before you do it. I'm thinking right now, especially about when we were young and we were dating and things like that. You've heard people say, don't be alone with your potential future husband, you know, in, in a private atmosphere because it can lead to temptation. And that's the truth. So you have to beforehand make those decisions that, okay, you won't put yourself into that situation. So that's what wisdom is, is thinking ahead of what the consequences will be and trying to make the right choice to choose the good consequences instead of the bad consequences. Yeah. And a lot of that comes with just, you know, reading our Bible and praying and, mm -hmm. and being ready you know, with Bible verses memorized, actually, that you can turn to and say, oh, this is the answer for that. And, you know, I recently had a conversation with my adult son mm -hmm. and he had some work done at his house 
and he had paid the guy. The guy hadn't finished all of the work. And then the guy said, well, if you just pay a little bit more, it will help me out and I can finish what I need to do. And then I'll return the money to you. So my son paid again. And now this guy, you know, didn't comply. And there were so many different issues along with that. But while he was telling me the story, a Bible verse came to my mind that that fitted exactly. And I said, can I share something with you? Because that sounds just like this Bible story. And I began to tell him and he said, wow, that really does fit my situation. That is exactly where my mind is right now. And, you know, I, I need to see it God's way. And I, I thought that was so fantastic because it wasn't me that made up that story. It was the parable of Jesus, but it was the Holy Spirit that brought it to my mind. Right. But only if you read your Bible, can you have those stories in your mind. Exactly. You know, and it talks about comparing wisdom to silver and treasure, right? So yeah. silver and treasure is valuable. It's very valuable. And another thing about silver and treasure is it doesn't come easily. You know, yeah. you know how silver sometimes is compared to like your working income. You know, you go out and work and got to get some silver, you know. And so it takes effort. It takes work to be able to, to gain that value of wisdom. And sometimes even with the treasure, it's not just like given to you. You have to follow the map. There's an X on the map. You go there and it's not even just sitting there on top of where the X is. You have to actually dig into the ground and, and unearth that value, that yeah. treasure. And so um, with that, I think that when we're seeking after wisdom, we have to realize that it's so valuable, so much more valuable than we realize sometimes. And that folly is so easy <laughs> to get, yeah. you know, folly is so easy to, to fall into. So uh, we need to make that distinction when we're trying to gain that wisdom um, that we, we have to work for it. And what you're talking about is digging in the scripture, digging in the word and, and pulling it up and putting it into our heart, putting it into our mind and continually having it in us. And then the Holy Spirit does his job like he did with you and he'll bring it to our mind and, and we can use it for practical purposes like you did. Yeah. Well, I remember many years ago when I was a single mom before I got remarried that I, you know, was responsible for all my own bills. I didn't have like alimony or child support or anything like that. But I remember that every time I got paid, I would buy one silver coin. It's like an ounce of silver. Mm -hmm. And you, you would go, it wasn't a pawn shop. It was like some kind of coin and, and gold trading place. And the guy, you know, you had to press the button in. He would look outside the alarm and the camera and he'd let you in if you look safe. <laughs> and I would buy one silver coin and they were like, between 26 and $30 a piece, 13 years later, they're still about the same price. <laughs> so I don't know. But for me, it was such a sacrifice. But I thought, you know, I don't have enough money to put away in a 401k or, you know, get an IRA or anything like that. But I'm going to invest in these silver coins and I have kept them so close to my heart. You know, I've never put them anywhere. They're always with me. I guard them with my life. And I have enough to share with all of my adult children and to keep some back for myself. 
But, but when I think of that, you know, it really was finding that value and sacrificing other things so that that value could be possessed. And so that's the same as wisdom. You know, it, it can be that if we seek for it, it seems like, oh, you know, that's, it's, it's kind of like somebody looking for, you know, a six pack abs, like, yeah, I run it, but I'm not going to give up on this ice cream, <laughs> you know, but, but wisdom is more important than a six pack of abs. You right. know? It's like, you have to work for it by building a relationship with God. Yeah, that's, that's really good. Also, what came to my mind when you talked about that, I know you said that the value of it hasn't increase that much for your silver coins, but it does increase with time. The wisdom, the value of wisdom increases with time. So yes. that's a really interesting thought too. When you collect these gold and, and silver and, and treasure, the value does increase over time. And, and that's the same with wisdom. Yeah. Yeah. So the benefits versus the consequences show that we can go either way. It's by our choice, you know, because they talk about the benefits of what you get if you follow wisdom and what do you get if you follow folly. So it's by our own choice. So that's something we, we choose to do. So, of course, wisdom would tell us choose wisdom instead of folly because the consequences are so much better. And, you know, it's not a, a pattern that you use to win you know, success or anything, because this is not um, set in stone, because there are times when people have issues that have used wisdom, because life is like that. But for the most part, when you're walking in wisdom, your life is so much better. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, what we listen to is also what we see. Mm -hmm. You know, you hear so many people looking at Instagram, comparing themselves and committing suicide or, or doing something so unhealthy for themselves because they're just looking at that and thinking, I can never be that. Mm. But, and I, I think that's people of all ages, but even what we listen to in our, what kind of podcasts we listen to, what kind of music we listen to, just, you know, that some of my adult children have faced issues with substance abuse. And so I can barely listen to country music anymore because there's so much glorification of drinking hmm. that I I just I just turn it off I'm like it's not really like that it's cute you know one beer two glasses of wine you know moonshine moonshine but but when your kid has had a DUI it's just heartbreak you can't listen to that right. and just be straight you know yeah, I think it does create a sensitivity in us for the things that we realize are stumbling blocks for our children or for ourselves. And so I think that's a good thing that wisdom does as well, because if you continue to listen to stuff and continue to do this stuff, then there's no wisdom at all. It's, it's the consequences are going to be dire and you're going to walk down a path that you don't want to walk. Yeah. And there's, I mean, it's not just country music, but other, other worldly music that you're just like, it's got a great beat or whatever, but if you start listening to the words, you're like, what kind of crap am I listening to? I know, like, turn that off, you know, it's so, it's, it's cool for a minute, but right. it's not, it's not good for our soul. It's not good for our brain. And have you thought about, like, when we were younger, we listened to certain things and certain music or watched certain movies 
have you gone back and watched some of those movies or listened to those, that music and been like, what was I listening This is not PG. No, it's not. I know. And even now I was talking to, uh, I think it was my son, and we're talking about certain uh, cartoons that are on now. And it's kind of like that they're geared more towards adults than children. But mm-hmm. they, they do it in animated so that... You know, there's some of the jokes that you see, even on the Disney stuff, it's like, whoa, wait a minute, that's, that, I know what that means. <laughs> it's like, now, even though the kids don't. So it's just interesting how that all happens. I don't know how I went off track down that road, but I mean, it's just all encompassing of wisdom. What, what do we put in our minds and in our hearts? Because typically what goes in comes out, right? So yeah. we want to make sure we're putting good, wholesome wise things and into our hearts and minds yeah no i actually i have a hilarious story that movie cars yeah uh, the disney cars my grandson when he was like two years old we would turn it on his his favorite movie to watch all the racing cars but there's one scene where the cars are practicing on a beach and one of the cars says life's a beach and then you drive well that's not the way the real saying is life's a bee and then you die but every single time my grandson watched that movie which sometimes it would be like 20 times a week he laughs at that scene and he's (laughs) like two years old i'm like what do you know about life's a beach and then you drive like you know i don't know why but he would laugh hysterically and i'm like Uh, (laughs) yeah it's interesting how things like that um are twisted so you have to be alert and be aware you know of certain things with that with wisdom because wisdom will teach you that to be aware and to be alert and and make sure you're putting the right things into your heart and mind yeah so how about we take a little break and then we come back and we talk about how we can apply this verse to our lives I want to get into verses 16 to 22 because it's all about dating and marriage and what, how we can be part of that decision with our adult children without breaking our relationship with them. And being a nag, right? Uh, being a nag. Okay, <laughs> we'll be back. All right. Okay. Okay, so now that we're back, let's go ahead and talk about other ways we can apply this wisdom from chapter two. I think you were talking about verses 16 through 22. So it talks about the immoral woman and how, you know, she can pull you down. But we all know that there's also immoral men that can pull our daughters down. (laughs) Right. So in both ways. We're asking God to give them wisdom. And it just made me think that one of the things that as parents that we need to do is we need to be in a good, strong relationship with our adult children when they start dating seriously. (laughs) Because if you just show up and say, that's not the right person for you. I don't like her. I don't like him. I don't like his manners. I don't, I don't like the way he acts. I don't you know, like his work ethic, that all we're going to do is cause conflict and strife. Right. Because they may say, you don't have a place to speak into my life in that area. 
you know, I don't, I don't care about your opinion or I don't want to share it with you. And so I think before they're seriously doing adult dating, you know, we don't really speak to people who have like teenagers or young kids, but if you are somebody who has younger kids who are not adults, now's the time to jump ahead of that conversation. Right. And I would start it like, do you know that I love you? And if your relationship has already been on the right path, they would say, yes, I, I know you love me. Okay. So if, how long have I known you? My whole, whole life. Yes. I've known you your whole life. Do you think that I understand your personality and I know you? Yes. If I were to see something in somebody that you brought home, do you think that I would tell you, point out that, that ne negative aspect or characteristic of them to hurt you or to break your heart? And I think those are the conversations that if we would have them fast and early, we would be on a different place with our adult kids when we did see somebody who was predatory or taking advantage of them or selfish. And it's funny because as you know, I only have one adult child that's single and um, the other two got married. Nobody asked me anything. <laughs> and so I'm blessed that we, we love our, our son-in-law and daughter-in-law, but my the one son that's single, one time he said to me, if I ever bring somebody home that you know is not a good fit for me, will you please tell me? That's good. I was like, wow, that, <laughs> that opens the door. But, but that, even though he says that, and even if us, we had the conversation like, do you know that I love you? Do you trust me to have your best interest? If I point out something about somebody, even though we say all that up front, if they fall in puppy love, I don't know. <laughs> We're going to have to, maybe we should get it in writing. Yeah. You know, yeah. at some point, like a day will come when I will tell you that that person is lazy or stingy or has anger management problems. And you're going to think that I mean that I'm, you know, being selfish and that I'm trying to take away your, your love, but. I'm not. <laughs> so, right. You know, it may, it may be that we need to get it in writing with our, but it's just, you know, as you read these scriptures, 16 to 22, that it, it is a spouse. It is a girlfriend. It is a boyfriend that can lead you straight down to the path of hell. You know, and if, if they don't take you away from your God, the way that in the old Testament, God wouldn't let the Israelites marry foreign women because they had foreign idols. Mm -hmm. If if they don't take you that far, they'll just make your life hell, mm -hmm. you know, because they won't be pulling in the same direction. So, so it's those conversations I think that we need to be having with our kids before they're serious with somebody, like be on the lookout for these things. And I remember when my son was in high school, one of my sons, he said, the thing about these girls, when I take them on dates, he said, they don't even pull out their wallets and pretend to help pay. He's <laughs> like, I know they're not going to pay, but I, I only have, you know, a minimum wage job myself and I'm not going to ask my parents for date money. So 
they, I have a minimum wage job and they, they don't offer anything, you know, and so, or they don't offer to pay half or they don't, you know, anything. And so it's funny, but that really tells you, you know, something about, about that person. And I read an article recently from a divorce lawyer and he said, if you're dating somebody and they never offer to pitch in for the price, the price or the pay run because that person may be super privileged or very entitled and they're not generous. They just don't understand the cost, the cost of food, the cost of movies, the cost of, you know, a gas trip or whatever. So right. Yeah. It, the- that's a good test too. He, and he's a divorce lawyer. So he's telling people right up front, this is what you should be looking for. Yeah. And I think too, it goes, it goes both ways. And to be honest, if you can think back to when we were younger, when we were kids, I think we were raised to believe that, you know, the, the man was the one, if he invited you on a date that should pay. And so I think that over time though, that has evolved into you know, everybody pulled their own weight, you know, I, my oldest daughter, she always, when she goes out with someone, if somebody asks her out, she does not ever think that they're going to pay. She doesn't assume that, you know, and when somebody does just say, no, I'm, I'm paying, you know, that's kind of, kind of a refreshing to me because it's kind of like old fashioned and, and I, I appreciate that. I know when she went to prom, she got asked by a guy and he said, oh yeah, we can split it and blah, blah, blah. And when she was, this was seven years ago. So I was like, what? No, when you go to prom, the guy pays, you know what I mean? That's how I grew up. But so that she got asked by two guys and the other one paid for her and he did the old fashioned thing and brought her corsage and she got the boutonniere and all that stuff did it the old-fashioned way but I I can see and understand and I could see where it, it is entitlement and if that's somebody that is consistently doing that that it should be a red flag yeah I also have experience with one of my children my oldest daughter also with that puppy love thing and wouldn't want to hear anything we said. And I think that's how teenagers are sometimes, you know, they're like, you see something in a friend or in somebody that they're dating or somebody that they're interested in. And you're like, no, I don't think that's the one for you, but they're not going to listen, you know? And, and for my oldest daughter that happened, dated two different guys that we were like, okay, the second one was a little better. He kind of had pulled the wool over our eyes a little bit. <laughs> but the first one, we were like, no. First of all, he he didn't have the same beliefs. He was not a Christian. And so that was a big red flag because, you know, if you're setting a foundation and the foundation is not even, then it's it's not going to work. The house is going to fall. So yeah. that's the the basic foundation. And then um this guy turned out to be very abusive and she was stuck in that relationship for four years. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of gaslighting that happened and it was very horrible. And, and we, as a mom and dad, weren't able to speak into, at that point, we had lost our voice. And mm-hmm. today, though, 
if she even considers going out with someone and if it looks like it's going to get serious or she's liking this person more than just a one date or two dates, she'll come to us and she'll ask us. So that door has been uh, opened and she really wants to know our hearts and what we think of the person. And that's a good thing. I really am glad that that's happened. And that's the wisdom that she gained through the experience. And so a lot of that digging for the treasure of wisdom is the work that we do is the pain that we go through, you know, because it's not easy work. It's hard. And sometimes we suffer for it. So that's something that she's suffered for to gain that wisdom. And um, if it was up to me, I I think (laughs) I'd go and do like some cultures and do arranged marriages and let us pick the, let us pick the spouses for them. (laughs) I better keep my mouth shut right now because I might say something. (laughs) I better bite my tongue. (laughs) Well, I actually had the chance to, it's something I told my son who's single and also some friends who are single that are dating or considering dating. And I tell them, put that other person, your potential, you know, date, your potential spouse, put them in tough situations to see how, how their personality boils out of it. Mm -hmm. You know, if make them late and see how mad they get or make them have to wait for something or make something purposely make something not work out and see who they are because some people are willing to marry impatient people or jealous people or stingy people or anger management people some people are but i don't hope that for my children right you know like right off the bat you already know that person is stingy they don't pay their tithe and they, you know, they're just not very loving. Whatever you see them in their dating mode, they're going to be 10 times worse in the marriage mode. Yeah, that sounds so very I true. Think, you know, if, if our adult kids would just put these people to the test early on and really get to know them, they wouldn't be in a problem. And I, I will say, Asha, there's, there's something that happens among Christians that I, I used to not realize what the problem was, but now I see it. So I know this young couple, the wife is so, so unhappy. And she's like, he is not the person I thought he was. He is not the person that I would ever have hoped to marry. I don't like this guy. I don't want to live with him. I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to have anything with him. I don't want to have any more kids with him, whatever. And I said, well, why did you marry him? She said, well, because we started dating and everybody said, well, if you don't get married soon, you're going to fall into sin. So you better hurry, 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 get married. And she said, that's not a reason to get married. No. So she said, you know, all the sugar coating, you know, got scraped off at the marriage and he's just literally not the person she thought he was. And so it breaks my heart because I see her so unhappy. And, you know, I even asked my pastoral staff about it. I'm like, I don't know what to advise her. Like, gosh, looking at it, I'd say, run and get your baby and run away from there. But I'm also, I don't want to be an advocate for divorce. And at the same time, it's not my decision to make. So I just felt like, you know, all I can do is pray for her. I 
I text her periodically to encourage her to send her Bible verses, but I am watching real life pain in that situation. Yeah. And it's heartbreaking. Yeah, it is. That's something Christians do. They pressure, like, hurry up, hurry up and get married. I don't know. Yeah. And then I, I also have an example of kind of the opposite of, I know someone that I'm really close to that dated a woman and, you know, was head over heels and his father could see something, you know, saw the red flags before the young man did. And so there was an event that they were supposed to attend together, like a barbecue or something. And uh, she called him and said, no, I, I'm not going to go. I'm not feeling good. I just want to rest. And, and so then um, he said, okay, well, I'm not going to go either. It was like a church barbecue or something like that. He said, okay, well, I'm not going to go either. And since you're not going, I don't want to go without you. And, and, and then he ended up going with his father and mother to the event. And lo and behold, the girl was there chit-chatting with a bunch of other guys. <laughs> and so, you know, his dad told him, you know, I don't know about this, this girl for you, you know, cause they were dating seriously. So they were courting as they would call it. And then it happened another time later, you know, in the year that she showed up someplace she said she wasn't going to be. And so he disregarded these, these concerns that his dad brought up to him and ended up marrying her. And sure enough, later, they ended up really struggling, their marriage suffering financially. And then there was even some drug abuse. And she ended up leaving him with, and they had, what, five kids? And so, yeah, she ended up leaving and getting into a lot of trouble. And she's on, you know, a repeat drug addict. So, you know, she gets clean and then she goes back and she gets clean and goes back. And he, he's trying to make the most of it, but you know, his, his life and his children are suffering as well. So it, yeah. if they, you could see the red flags and use that wisdom at the beginning, but sometimes it's like it says, and we'll read in the next Proverbs is that it's so enticing. The, the woman <laughs> is so enticing sometimes that will lead you astray. So you need to, to be prepared to understand and, and to walk away. Yeah. Yeah. I recently heard of a story of a Christian family where the parents came to their daughter and they said, we're not, we cannot attend this wedding. This is not God's will for you. And we're asking you to postpone the wedding. We will help you pay for what can't be erased or what can't be, you know, changed or whatever. Yeah, the deposit. If this is right, yeah, if this is right, you know, then it'll be right in two months or six months or whatever. But we're asking you to trust us and just postpone the wedding. And in that in that particular situation, the whole thing unraveled. You know, there was so much deception, so many lies, so many things going on there. And it was amazing that their daughter did agree to do that and to just see, you know, they said, just, just let God show you what he showed us. Mm -hmm. And so, but, but it really takes trust. And I think, you know, if you, if 
you as a parent, if us as a parent have places in our lives where, you know, there's been some distrust with our children, we need to get it right or they won't hear us. Right. They won't hear our heart. Yeah, that's that's very true. And like I said earlier, it's the wisdom starts with us and the decisions and choices we make. And one very wise decision is to keep in relationship and not to burn bridges. So we want to keep our relationships right, especially with our children and our family. So yeah, that's that's very true. And you know, and and we we talked about it last time. You know, there's there's room to advise them and there's room to just hold your tongue and pray about it, mm-hmm. you know, and and there's times where I want to be like checking on them. And then I think, how about I just say, I'm praying for you about that thing that's happening at work mm-hmm. or I'm praying about what's going on with your relationship with your spouse instead of, hey, how's it going with so-and-so? Did they come home mad again today? You know, so- or, you, or you shouldn't be doing that to them, or you shouldn't say that to them, or you should tell them this, or you should yeah. tell them that. Yeah, I agree totally. I think that the main thing for us to remember is that we don't know it all. <laughs> we don't know it all as parents, and, and we're learning every day how to do things as well. And Going through these proverbs for me, my goal is to is to glean from it for my own life and my own heart, and to change my heart and to learn and gain knowledge and gain wisdom, so that I can share it. So that I can share that treasure with my children. It's not to just say, "Oh, I learned this," and you know how when sometimes we're in church and the pastor says something and. And you're like, oh, that would be so good for so-and-so. You know, I wish they were here to hear that, right? <laughs> so that's how I, I don't want to be. I don't want to be going through the word and through scriptures and through Proverbs to say, oh, my kids need wisdom. This is so good for them because it's really so good for us so that we can share it with them too, you know? So that's yeah. the, the mindset I want to have through this series here. Yeah. And, and it's it's all about keeping those doors open and building building a true relationship with them, respecting their boundaries, mm-hmm. and just you know walking out the word in your own life. Yes, you know it, I do. I know people that use marijuana, and then when their kid gets caught using marijuana, they're like, yeah. Well, and nowadays it's not so much of a big deal anymore because it's almost legal everywhere. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I know what you're saying. It's in trouble for it. Yeah. You anymore. Exactly. Yeah. I know exactly what you're saying. You know, we, we are hypocritical. We, we tell our kids live as I say, and not as I live, right? (laughs) Do as I say, not as I do. And that's not good. That's, that's not good at all. We need to be an example, a living example and show them by the way we live, how they should live how they should live. So how about you close this out in prayer? Okay, I will. Father God, I just thank you for this opportunity one more time to speak about your word. And I I thank you for the book of Proverbs because I can already tell that it is giving us um, more than ever just a guide to your heart and what you expect of us as parents 
and how we could be a blessing to our adult children as they grow and as they raise children. Please help our children and those children, adult children of the listeners, that they would they would find the right spouse and that they would they would seek wisdom when they find that spouse and that they would humble themselves to hear from you, God. We thank you for all that you provide and, and everything that you give us from your word in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. talked a lot about different topics today, but the key point I think was about how to keep an open relationship with your child, especially through the dating years and even through marriage. So don't be afraid to have those conversations because you've got this mama. Good. 